Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. One of these is very important for you to be aware of. I know all of you have been praying diligently for the process of a new pastor, as Pam and I have, the council has, the district has. Um, I'll give you what little I know, which probably doesn't come as any surprise that it's quite little, but uh, the district has been in contact with your church council. Some of them are here today uh, with... uh, a discussion about persons, and I'm not at liberty to say anything other than continue to pray and that God will direct the district, will direct this, the, the church council will um, touch the family uh, who's being considered and all that kind of stuff. So I know that's kind of a lame update, but I can't say anymore. Okay, because I don't really know anything, but this much I do know is that God has a plan, and as we see that plan unfold, we're probably going to freak out about how good God is, amen? It's going to be good, so please keep, keep praying. Uh, one last thing, uh, it's kind of the 11th hour, this is not near as important, but I want you to know uh, I have to have uh, surgery uh, in a, like July 20th. And so um, we're starting a, a, like a five-part series today, but I'm only going to be able to do part one and two this week and next week, and then I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. And I don't want you to think that like I'm lazy or whatever. Just don't think bad thoughts about me because I'm going to have some surgery, and uh, they said I'm going to be laid up for a couple weeks. But I'm, I'm pretty... I might bounce back a little faster. You never know. <laughs> All right. G, was there, where's G? I have no idea where you are. Okay. Is there anything else I'm supposed to say because I forgot my cheat sheet? We're good? Okay. Oh, and the church is going to be obviously fine without me. You were fine without me before I got here. You'll be fine without me long after I'm gone. But I do want to let you know that we have some speakers lined up. Joshua Little's going to share. Gianna's going to share. And uh, if they go down, we have other people who will step up. and <laughs> We're going to be good. We're a team here. We got this covered. All right, so today I want to start a new series that we've titled Marked. Marked. And uh, we're going to be looking through the gospel of Mark and uh, kind of see some encounters that Jesus has with people. And because of those encounters, um, they're marked by the presence of Jesus. Today I want to talk about being marked with authority. Now some of you might think, oh, I don't have any authority. Well, the reality is as a Christ follower, we're all given a certain amount of authority. There's no question about that. But in the culture that we live in, uh, we have differing degrees of authority. Let me tell you a few things that I know, realities about authority. Everyone in this room has been burned by someone who had a position of authority over you and over me. All of us have. The other thing that I know about authority is that everyone in this room has likely 
misused the authority that we've been given. Now, I'm not going to ask you to expose yourself, but I will tell you, as much as I intend my whole life walking with Jesus to submit to his authority, all my life since coming to know him, I have been guilty of misusing the authority that God has given me. I think that's inherent with our sinful nature. The third thing that I know about authority is that everyone in this room could use a fresh model or picture of what true godly authority looks like. Very good. That's what we're here uh, to discuss today is being marked by authority that we see the example of in Jesus Christ, but many times we function out of a worldly authority which uh, invokes a power play, and that's not what we're talking about. The main theme verse for today is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 27. The text reads, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority. There's a supporting verse in Matthew 28, verse 18. The text reads there, Jesus came and told his disciples, this is a big statement, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority in the hands of anyone but Jesus is dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Because absolute power or the sense of absolute authority corrupts Absolutely. Sad thing is that we have an example of godly authority from Christ's encounter with people. I dare say that we haven't mastered well functioning in the authority that God has given us. Jesus did it right. And having all authority, it was still used to edify or to build up others and to glorify God. Anybody in this room? That's not a fair question because I don't want you to sh- raise your hand. I have misused authority to gain a position of influence or power or manipulation. I will say this. Has anyone else ever fallen prey to misusing the authority that they have in their life? Or am I the only sinner in the house? Good. There's three honest, seven honest sinners in the house. Great. Love it. Anyhow. As we look at these Jesus authority principles, there's an underlying question I would like for you to keep uh, upon your head or in your heart or something like that, and it's this. How do I use the authority entrusted in me? Whatever that role might be, wherever you receive that authority from. And if you don't think you have authority, better assess your life a little bit more because you do have influence and you do have authority. I know as uh, long before I became a Christian and long before I became a pastor, I was a really good sinner. Really good. (laughs) Thanks for laughing at that. But all of you before that point and for me even after that point struggle with reflecting the love of God. But I do know that in general, the way that we manifest the exercising of our authority Um, 
oftentimes is a little bit different than the example we see Jesus uh, express in the Gospels. I want to share with you three, I guess you can call them vignettes, that show how Jesus Christ used his authority. Uh, the first one is in Mark 1, verse 21, and following to verse 28. But he used his authority. He freed people from current bondages. Now, if you hear a truth that I declare about Jesus Christ, it would be totally okay if you even, under your breath, say, Amen. Amen. So, let me read that again. He freed people from their current bondages. Amen. Amen. Love it. Good job. Here's the text, verse 21 of Mark 1. They went to Capernaum, and when, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You can tell there's a little bit of tension between the religious elite and how the Messiah taught and instructed. Anyhow, the text goes on. Just then, a man in their synagogue, a man at church, sort of, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, key verse, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Fascinating story. Really fascinating story. We get caught up in this fascinating story. Have you ever thought about what this guy's life might have been like as he roamed around to and from synagogue or in the community or something? You see, throughout scripture, demonic possession manifests itself in anti-social, anti-cultural behavior. So they're doing synagogue and this guy's there doing what should be done. And uh, the demon within him blurts out. And that's like kind of freaky story. I love the story. I love to see the power of Jesus against the enemies of, of light, darkness. I love to see him working against darkness. It's a fascinating thing. But then I think about this guy. And I'm certain he was avoided. He was avoided in town. The kids were frightened of this guy. He was probably despised. Is it too much of a stretch to even suggest that he probably hated his life? I'm thinking he did. And I wonder if there were times when he thought to himself, I wish I could be different. Imagine if I could be different. But he couldn't. I mean, if he could, he would have, but he couldn't up to this point. And then one day he encounters the Messiah, and Jesus uses his authority to set this guy free. It's crazy. His life would have been changed. The community all would have been aware of this drastic 
change in him. And then what did freedom in this man's life look like? And how many people did it impact? That story gives me hope. And I hope that it gives all of you hope. Or maybe some people that you know. Because there are some people here today or others that you know or loved ones or co-workers or whatever who are bound by something. How desperately we wish we could free ourselves. Because we'd do it if we could, but we can't. That's probably the precipice of seeing God's power released is when we finally acknowledge, I would like to live this way, but I can't live this way. Oh, Lord, set me free. Help me to live the way you desire. I, there's no question that there's, even in a group of this size, there's addictions of different types. Um, and I'm not saying alcohol use is an addiction, but there is a line where it can become abuse. And it all starts, you know, innocently enough, but then we pound down a few more, a few too often, and then perhaps it's drugs or approval addiction. And frankly, the fastest growing addiction in our culture today is sexual addictions and deviations from God's intended plan. <clears throat> the fastest growing segment of the population who is seeing an escalation in sexual addiction are actually females from the age of 13 to 25. This is a, used to be a boy problem, right? It's a problem problem. It's a sin nature problem. Now, I don't know to whom the Spirit is speaking to presently, but someone here today or someone who might listen to the podcast will encounter Jesus and he will give you full freedom, deliverance as it were. And my challenge to you is that when Jesus Christ does that work in you, tell at least one or two trusted people God's delivered me so that they can come alongside, not to advertise what your past has been, but to help strengthen you to continue to live free from that which God has delivered you. <coughs> can I get a, a beer? I mean water. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, you are so sweet. Did you drink out of this? Marcus. Oh, no. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. <clears throat> now I'm going to sing like Marcus. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> That'd be so great. Oh, thank you, G. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so, so Jesus um, uses authority to free people from current bondages. Another use of his authority is this, is he forgave people from past failures. And I know you can say amen. Amen. He forgave people. But you know what? Not only is Jesus doing that, continuing to do that. You know that we're called to do that? We are called to forgive people who've made mistakes or failures, as it were, in our own life. There's a story in Mark chapter 2, um, like the first third of the chapter, but it's a story about a guy who has no name. Well, he kind of has a name. They call him the paralytic. Say paralytic. Paralytic. Okay. Wouldn't you like to be remembered as Something strange like that. No name. So I feel bad for the guy. We don't know how come he's 
paralyzed. And this too is a fascinating story. And the miraculous healing is cool enough. But we see in the story that Jesus actually emphasizes the importance of forgiveness for sin and being granted eternal life above the emphasis on physical healing. Now, again, we don't know. uh, I don't know how he got paralyzed. Maybe some people smarter than me know the answer to that, but I don't know. Um, I do know this, that I've had relationship with numerous people who fight uh, ongoing sickness and pain and illness, kind of a chronic situation. In fact, um, this is why Pam's not with me today. She, um, for over 20 years, we have been praying and seeking medical advice and psychological advice and trying experimental drugs and all this kind of thing. She suffers from horrible, horrible insomnia. And I'm not talking like once in a while she has a bad night. I'm talking about once every few months she has a good night. And, uh, and so this morning she was just uh, kind of just hurting. But the thing about chronic or ongoing things, even though our faith you know, remain strong that the Lord can, and, and, and maybe he will, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. But it can mess with your faith. It can really mess with one's faith. Anyhow, back to the paralytic. So this guy has some friends who throw him on a mat, and I'm sure they threw him. They just threw him on the mat, and they wanted to t- carry him to a, a Jesus meeting. I don't think he could have fought back even if he didn't want to go because he's a paralytic, right? So his friends overpower him, put him on the mat, and they go, they go to this teaching time. And the house is packed. You know the story probably. I mean, the house is absolutely packed. They have open windows, I'm assuming, in first century Palestinian kind of places. I don't know. Open windows. There's no glass. So the windows are full of heads. People are vying for position. We want to hear what Jesus has to say. The door's packed. In fact, the text says that even it's full out in the street. So these four guys take their friend, who maybe reluctantly went along, but what's he going to do? And they take him up on the roof, and they start digging a hole in the roof. Roof. I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to say that thing. Anyhow, so they dig a hole. And can you picture that scenario? Jesus is teaching. People are like locked in and they want to know what Jesus has to say. say, And like a pebble falls. And then some sand. And then maybe like a stick or something. It's like these guys are so persistent and bombs away, they drop him in front of Jesus. Can you see that? It's like you think that might disrupt your preaching or anything like that. But Jesus doesn't miss a beat right in front of Jesus. And he says something very interesting and I think rather thought provoking. And I'm going to read verse 5 through 7 and we're going to kind of dissect it a little baby bit. But this is what the text says. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith did Jesus see? The friend's. I hope you have friends, and I have friends, that when our faith wanes a little bit, that they've got faith for us, that they'll throw us on a mat and take us to Jesus, if you know what I'm saying. Because 
Uh, I mentioned about Pam, you know, when we get kind of down physically or emotionally or spiritually, sometimes we just don't have faith. We need other people's faith. That's one of the important things about community. This like culture of church or your small group meetings, gathering regularly, opening up and building relationship with one another because there will be a time when you will need someone else's faith to get you to Jesus, so to speak. Anyhow, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, they came there for healing, said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I think he's trying to make a point to the religious leaders a little bit because their reaction kind of tips uh, the cards a little bit. But so one point he's making is about the power and authority he has in both healing and the forgiveness of sin. But perhaps... Perhaps he's showing us the value, power, and importance of forgiveness. Think about this. For this guy to receive healing but not eternal life, wouldn't he still be bound? Even for us to receive healing of some kind, which is a great blessing, but not experience eternal life, we would still be bound as well. Now, I would love to be able to tell you, as long as I was a pastor, everybody that I prayed for was healed. But I would be lying, so I'm not going to say that. In faith, there are countless people that we've prayed for. Some have been healed. Some have been healed. Some were never healed. Some moved from this life to a much more joyous life. And here's the thing, no healing, yet, because they have forgiveness of sin and eternal life, their life on earth had tremendous value, and the benefit of forgiveness of our sins is their eternal life, there's a wholeness and a completeness. So, being healed physically, yes, it's important, Jesus did do that miracle, But forgiving one's sins that they might spend eternity with the Father was much more important to him. So verse 5, I'll read it again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6 and 7. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Didn't say anything out loud. I love this when Jesus reads people's thoughts. It's so cool. Thinking to themselves... Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then there's this little retort that follows, and Jesus kind of lets him know, hey, you thought, but you didn't, because I knew what you were anyhow. It's a pretty fun story. Uh, speaking of forgiveness, I do want to share a personal story with you. Uh, I came to know Jesus when I was 26 years old. From birth, 23 years old, my bad. Uh, from birth to nearly 23 I committed plenty of egregious sins, plenty. I will not list them for you. One in particular, however, though, I will share with you, because even after coming to know Jesus and being overwhelmed by the love and forgiveness of God and the acceptance and being part of the family and all that kind of thing, there was one sin that still haunted me. Not that God hadn't forgiven it, but that I had to own up and I had to go talk to the family that I hurt. I had to. And 
Christian brothers, even a pastor at the time said, no, look, you're forgiven, it's all cleansed, let it go. And I talked to somebody else, what do you think? This is just really bugging me. I know Jesus loves me, but I have to own up to this error. And uh, no, you're fine, you're fine. Well, one day before I was a, a full-time pastor, I was working in a retail industry in downtown Salem. It was a great old store I should tell you about sometime, but not today. Anyhow, so I'm there, and the father of this family shows up at the store. My heart is beating. And it's like, okay, now do I pray and ask God if he's actually telling me to do it? No, it's like he's right there. I didn't do anything. He, he walked out of the store and went down the street. I swear to you, God picked me up, pushed me down the stairs, and I started running after this guy. And I used to be fit, so I wasn't even winded. I was just like flying out the door, flew down the street, caught up with him on like two blocks away and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but this is my name, and I'm a Christ follower now, and I messed up, and I hurt your family, and I just, I need to own that and ask your forgiveness. And he looked me in the eye. I mean, that was like huge, that, that step. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, of course I remember you, uh, Tom. Um, I forgave you 18 years ago when the incident took place. But I, as a brother in the Lord, he too was a Christian at that point, as a brother in the Lord, taking ownership of your misstep, I appreciate, but, but you're free from anything that you might be carrying regarding us. Uh, needless to say, I wept kind of uncontrollably for a while in downtown Salem. I had like paramedics, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but... But it was, it was really wonderful. So anyhow, the point I'm trying to make is, yes, Christ's forgiveness is complete, and I wish I'd understood it better and all that kind of thing, but sometimes the Spirit of God will say, you make right to the degree that you can uh, what you have done, and whether they forgive or do not forgive, that's not your burden, but own the misstep. And, and I did, and praise God, it worked out that way. And here's the funny thing. So I'm... 36 years old when this takes place, and one year later, it's so weird, one year later, um, the Lord calls me out of the business world into vocational ministry. I, I don't know that there's a tie between that. All I know is the timing of it is interesting. My life was changed. So if there's anyone here or listening to this uh, online, um, and you have a void in your heart caused by not forgiving someone or maybe not asking for forgiveness, um, I just want to challenge you. Uh, it sets people free. The one who asks for forgiveness is set free and the one who gives the forgiveness is set free, but neither party is responsible for the other person's actions. We are responsible for our own. Okay, Jesus used his authority to free people from current bondages. He forgave people from past failures. The third thing is he empowered people for future purpose. Mark 6, verse 7, calling the 12 to him, or in some renderings, calling unto himself the 12. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. He empowered people. Now, you might think it's sacrilegious, but I'm just going to tell you the truth because Jesus' disciples 
were not a stellar bunch of human beings. He used broken people to accomplish the purposes of God, so he empowered the imperfect that the Spirit of God might accomplish his will. I, you know, I wonder if it went through his head, you know, this would really be a lot easier if I just do everything myself. <laughs> I mean, they were always dinking up, the disciples were, and he's got to train and he's got to teach and he's got to invest. And then, and then the, the thing, <sighs> training and investing to release others to do stuff only to see them mess up. And the disciples messed up for Jesus plenty of times. He sends them out anyway. And they end up casting out demons and healing the sick. And that's the thing about you and I using our authority appropriately so that we might invest in, empower others to do things. Um, it's messy. How many of you play golf? Come on, you can be proud of it even if you're a terrible golfer. Yeah. <laughs> There's this thing called a mulligan. How many love mulligans? It's like a redo, right? Isn't it kind of a redo? Yeah. Okay. In your authority, whoever it is that you're releasing, be sure that they understand that there's plenty of mulligans, that you can give them a redo. A redo. Do they feel safe around you, that they can get a redo. How many of us have caught ourselves saying, they don't do it the way I would do it? Another good one is this, you fill in the blank. If I want the job done right, I should just do it. Myself. You know it all too well. <laughs> I should just do it myself. And I'm of the persuasion that if we want the job to live beyond us, ministry or work or teaching or driving truck or whatever, if we want something to live beyond us, we better invest, we better train, we better release, and we better be there to help clean up a mess or two. I don't know why I get so arrogant thinking, oh, these kids, oh goodness, like I never made a mess. It's ridiculous. It's so glorious to work around younger people and say, go, make your mess, and I'll show up with the mop a little bit later. <laughs> Here's another thing about authority. Authority atrophies when we don't use it. It destroys when we use it selfishly. But get this, it multiplies when we give it away. It multiplies when we give it away. Now, I don't know what God has in store, uh, the timing or the persons or whatever regarding uh, West Side. You know, who's, I don't know. I don't know. But this much I do know. As long as I still have the privilege of serving here, I'm going to eat up every moment I have to pour into people younger than me, which is like 90% of the church, just pour into the staff and I want to be there to help them clean up a mess now and then. Because if that's not happening, I'm not giving away authority. You follow me? Yeah. Is that making any sense? 
You guys are so blessed with the staff that you have here and the church council. Yeah, give it up for them. You are so blessed. So Jesus empowers others, and we're to do the same. Let me take you back to the opening question. Some of you are going, I wish he wouldn't go back there, but I'm going to. How are you using your authority? Does your authority remove barriers so other people can lead and are free to succeed and maybe more importantly, free to fail? Do the people that you lead feel safe? Oh, I can't dare make a mistake. Tom's going to eat my head off. Do the people that you lead feel empowered to fulfill a purpose unique for them? Uh, we're going to pray. We're going to do communion. I'm going to invite the worship team up. There's going to be prayer people over there, which is going to be great. Um, this is how we're going to do communion here today, which we've done here uh, as long as I've been around, is at some point, uh, you know, we'll pray and I'll release you. And you can come up and get elements. There's gluten-free stuff for those of you that are intolerant or whatever. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to t take that back to your seat. And, uh, you know, we might sing. We might also pray. There might be some questions of response given to you. But... Uh, Maybe, maybe wait till you get seated to partake. The question was, at the beginning of the message in the end, is what are you doing with? How are you managing the authority uh, that you have been given? <clears throat> There's a couple other things that we read in these stories. One is that, uh, one, we do know that Jesus used his authority um, to free people from bondage. We know that he used his authority to forgive past mistakes and he used his authority to help others uh, fulfill purpose I have a question for each and every one of you um, if, if you need the spirit of God to help you to function in a God honoring way with the authority that you have I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now you only have to close your eyes and bow your head. Keep them up. One, two, three. Look at all of us. The last thing I want to do is to use the empowerment that Christ has given me uh, to keep people bound, right? right. Lord, help us set people free. Um, the last thing I want to use the authority that Christ has given me is to make people waller and, and, and weep and mourn a mistake. Let's get past it. Let's learn from it and let's get past it. And if there's one thing that would be so cool before I croak is to think that there's a few young men and young women that I have actually helped fulfill the calling and purpose and destiny that God has in their life. Do you want to be a part of that too? Yes. Amen. Yes. Helping people. Okay, we're going to sing I'm going to pray, and then you come enjoy communion. The prayer team's going to be over there. If there's anything uh, you'd like to share with them and get prayer for, that's great. I think we have a prayer team. Okay. All right. We're good. We're good? All right. I'm making it awkward for these guys. It's what I do. <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for stories. Thank you for 
the encounters we read in scripture where people are marked by the presence of Jesus. We want to be people that are marked by your presence, Lord. As we come to the communion table and we receive the body and the blood of our Lord, may we be mindful of the brokenness that he endured. May we be mindful of just how vivid the crimson blood was that flowed from his veins. May we be reminded as to why. Lord, there are some among us who are broken, who are sick. May your healing virtue flood their bodies as they partake of communion this morning. There are some among us who need cleansing from the blood of Jesus Christ, the juice. May we experience wholeness and complete cleansing and be reminded of what you have done for us, Lord. We celebrate you and we worship you. Heavenly Father, you saw the many hands of men and women who want to use the authority you've granted to do good things, to do the things Jesus did. You've called us to that. Master, Savior, and King, as we receive communion, speak to our hearts. Direct our steps. We praise you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.